what we're trying to do is to get the church ready for what's about to happen. How many know it's getting dark outside? Come on. I said it's getting dark outside. And I don't mean the natural sun. I mean that there's just wickedness and evil everywhere, changing laws, all kinds of things happening. Three, three years ago in January of 2020, we started a series, and we, we called it Canoeing in the Mountains. And I know you don't know what I'm talking about. Some of you do. But we talked about how Lewis and Clark, they didn't, they didn't have a map of America. They just, do, they just knew the Missouri River went a long ways. And they got on that river, and they went upstream, and they just figured they would get to a little hilltop somewhere and, and get out of their canoe, and there'd be the Pacific Ocean. So they get to the top of the hill, <laughs> hill, and guess what they saw? About 20 more miles of mountains. They didn't see a Pacific Ocean. And they realized they couldn't get to where they wanted to go in canoes. They had to get out of the canoes and hire some horses. And they had to change their gear, and they had to change the way they do things, and their skill set wasn't going to help them. And, and God spoke to me and said, everything you have been taught so far is not going to get you to where I want you to go. And I said, well, thanks a lot, Lord. I spent a lot of money on those three degrees in a lot of my time, but he said, that's not going to get you. And I'm telling you folk as well, we've got to get a hold of this. We've got to be able and willing to change. Churches that are not changing are dying, and some of them don't care. Just, just on the way here, I passed an old church, probably been there 100 years, and there's a sign out front. For sale. For sale. They're turning them into bars. They're turning them into all kinds of things. Community buildings. They're turning churches into everything instead of what churches are supposed to be. And the churches that aren't dying, a lot of them are just old. If you're in your 40s, you're in the youth group. You know, it's like, it's, it's rough. Pastors retiring, quitting, giving up. 1500 a month are just... Forget it, forget it, forget it, forget it. It's getting harder to get young pastors to come in and start doing. So Lewis and Clark had to make a transition. They had to, they had to start, listen, they had to start carrying different things. How many know we've got a, some burdens to carry? It's called life. And they had to learn how to carry different things, and they had to uh, learn uh, how to go in a direction where there were no maps. And they had to start making some connections that they didn't know how to make. And we're living in a time now where many people, they say as much as 50% of the church world has left the church since COVID. They're not coming back, apparently. Could this be the great falling away? Lord, help us if it is. That means the rapture's close. (laughs) 
There's two things going to happen in the last days, right? You got a minute? There's going to be a great falling away and great persecution and all that. But on the other hand, there's going to be a great revival. <laughs> there's going to be fruit. There's going to be people saved. It's going to be the most amazing move of God in the darkest of hours. Glory, I think you believe that. Exactly, exactly, exactly what's going to happen. Mm, 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 mm. But it's going to get harder, but it's going to be better. It's going to be tougher, but it's going to be so rewarding. It's going to be more challenging, but the results are going through the roof. Last week, do you remember last week I got sidetracked a little bit and I started talking about that, this young generation and, and how probably only, I think only 7% are going to church, this generation Z. Do you think they called it Z because it's the last generation? Well, they kind of ran out of letters. Certain groups trying to take over our alphabet anyway. Elder, never mind, never mind, never mind. Took over the rainbow. Okay, never mind. Um, I guess what I'm saying is we're going to have to learn how to get through some crushing. Because what's coming our way is going to be heavy. But it's going to be amazing. And I guess where we start is we've got to understand how to stay connected. Because if we can stay connected, we can be victorious. John 15 is where we need to go. Let me read a few verses there. Verse 1 and 2, Jesus said, I am, and I want to do this from the... Um, from the Passion Translation, so it sounds a little different, but you need to hear it different. I am a true sprouting vine, Jesus speaking of himself. And the farmer who tends the vine is my father. He cares for the branches. Hello, branches. Connected to Jesus by lifting and propping up the fruitless branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. Uh -huh. Verse 4, so you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine will not bear fruit. Do you think that's why some churches are dying? So your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. Verse 7. I am the sprouting vine and you're my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. 
Most of the time when you hear this, we hear, we hear what we hear is that, that the branches that did not bear fruit were cut off. We're seeing that. There's a falling away. The branches are being cut off. But I haven't heard too many people preach about something else Jesus said. He said, I also cut the branches that are bearing fruit. Uh-oh, <laughs> that, that'd be us. He said, I cut the branches that bear fruit so that they can bear more fruit. So maybe some of the crushing and the cutting and the hurts and the isolation and the loneliness and the depression and some of the stuff you've been going through, it didn't really come from the devil. Maybe the Lord's just cutting on you a little bit so you can be more fruitful. More fruit. Say more fruitful. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I read this story about a woman who just loved, she had all kinds of plants in the yard, and she went out in the yard, and her, her little uh, six-year-old, seven-year-old was out watching her, and she was just cutting away, cutting away, and he just watching her. And when, when she wasn't looking, he got a hold of her shears. And he hacked at that plant, and it looked horrible. And she said, what, what in the world? Why did you destroy my plant? He said, well, Mama, I saw you cutting it, so I thought I could cut it. And then Mama said, but I know where to cut, and I know how to cut it. You're just hacking away at it. I think when we run our lives, we just kind of hack at it. But I can't. You're going through some stuff. You're going through a crushing. You're going through a hurt and a pain. I have a word for you. He knows how to cut and he knows where to cut. And you're going to be okay at the final cut. Somebody praise him. Amen. Wow. He knows how and where. So here it is. Point one. My God, I'm 10 minutes in and I'm only on point one. And there's 23 points. No, no, there's not. Number one, number one, number one, number one. Uh, just what I said. God knows where and how to cut. Listen, there's a process, a process. There's a process for grapes to become wine. I want you to understand something. Grapes don't last very long when they stay on the vine. There's something that happens with the little connection there between the grape and the vine. The vine itself begins to dry up, and the grape will fall off, and its, its usefulness is over. But if we can find a way to turn grapes into wine, that wine, I guess, will last forever. They tell me. They tell me that wine gets better with age. Grapes get worse with age. Some Christians are getting worse with age because they never wanted to go through the crushing to become wine. We got too many Christians that are popping grapes instead of making wine. 
Lord. My sermon today is to help you understand how to survive and how to get through the crushing moments in your life. I guess you've all seen the vats that they, they put the grapes in and they stomp the grapes. We might even, we might even, <laughs> we might even have a picture of that. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> you know what? Every time I see a picture like that, that makes me not want to drink wine. <laughs> if it takes... If it takes dirty feet to make wine, I'm, I'm thinking maybe I'll pass. Amen. <laughs> I don't think they do that with vodka. Anyway, um, I just heard a rumor. I quit that a couple years ago. I quit that. Lord, we have guests here. They're probably wondering, what is going on with this preacher? <laughs> but as, as they pray, and it's, it's not just about the vat. There's, there's a little thing down at the, at the bottom of the vat. Amen. A little spigot down at the bottom of the vat that you can turn. And while they're crushing, the wine starts flowing. Sometimes you got to understand, sometimes we stay focused on the crushing. If you're sitting in the vat, you can't always see what the result is. But while you're being crushed, you don't understand that wine is being made and it's flowing, say flowing, out of you. Flowing out of you. I don't know, we might have, there, we have a picture of that. See all that? But down at the bottom, there would be a spigot. And that wine, that juice would just pour out. Come on, church. It would just pour out. So point number two is this. You have to be able to endure the pain. Mark 4, 17, you understand? Now you understand what Jesus is talking about. They have no root in themselves and so endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises, let me read that again. Afterward, when COVID arises, for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Oh, they think they're still going to heaven because they worship at St. Mattress. I hope so. James, James chapter 5, verse 11. Indeed, we count them blessed who endure. Ha! You have heard the, of the perseverance of Job and seen the end intended by the Lord. Everything he had was doubled, that the Lord is very compassionate and merciful. First mm, 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 mm. Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7. Uh, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things endure. Love, I said love. You heard the song? Love endures all things. When you have the love of God in you, fear has to go. The world doesn't understand that, but perfect love casts out fear. If you, if you love him, there's just a trust there that, you see, if you love him, then you understand how much he loves you, and he knows he'll never put more on you than you can stand. Anybody got me? Got anybody get me here? Matthew 24, verse 13. But he who... 
endorsed to the shall be saved. Some people think they might be safe. Some people might look safe, but there's an enduring you're going to have to to be saved to the and the end is near. Number three, you have to trust who he is when you don't know what he's doing. You have to trust him in the crushing because it doesn't make sense and it hurts and you sometimes don't know if you're going to make it. So we don't always know what he's doing. But if you know who he is, you can get through it. Come on, guys. Someone shout if that's, a, if that's the truth. Amen. Amen. Psalms 103 and verse 7. It says, he, God, God made, made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. There's a difference between what he does and who he is. There's a difference between what he does and understanding all the whys and everything. He said he did great acts. He took them through the Red Sea. He fed them manna. They had a miracle every morning. And still they griped and complained. That's why sometimes I always say, oh, if I just could see some miracles. It didn't do much for them. They had a miracle every morning because they, they saw the axe, and the axe will get you a little, a, a little uh, maybe a mm, little helicopter. Woo! Glory to God. i got to stop doing that. I, I, praise God for the Acts. There's a whole book called Acts. Thank God. Oh, we could go back and talk about the great acts of God. But sometimes, but sometimes you got to go. He says, but listen, when I talked to Moses, I didn't just talk about my acts. I showed him who I was. Amen. He said he talked to Moses face to face like friends. He knew his ways. That's why perfect love casts out fear. Come on, church. Come on, church. Next, number four. One person knew. <laughs> You're still worried about my 22 points. I want you to get this. Only the manufacturer knows the limits. If you buy a new car, there's a little thing in your glove compartment that the manufacturer printed, and it says how fast you can go. It says how long your tires will last. It talks about this, talks about that. Only the person who made the car knows the limitations of the car, and you're not supposed to exceed. Hello, speed demons. You're not supposed to exceed what the limitations are, or you... Or, you, or the warranty won't cover you. If you go beyond what the Bible says, you lose your warranty. Sometimes I think, you know, sometimes people just go, oh, God, please help me out of this mess. And I know God's sitting up there saying, you know, you caused this. But aren't you glad he's merciful anyway? Aren't you glad? <laughs> How many have had kids that have messed up? Let me ask another one. How many have kids that didn't mess up? Anybody? 
that lying spirit. One person raised his hand. But they're still your kids. You forgive them and you get them back on the right track. Praise God. Aren't you glad that his mercy endures forever? Look at 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 13. It says, no temptation is overtaking you except such as common to man. But God is who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with, but with, but with, not in spite of, it, but with the temptation will also make a way of mm, that you may be able to bear it. I feel crushed. I feel overwhelmed. I feel like uh, I'm okay. I feel like my watch it. I feel like I feel overwhelmed. But he said, I'm gonna make a way of escape. In other words, that, that word escape, it means a putting to proof through experiment. In other words, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna show you how you can deal with this. I'm gonna show you how you can bear this. I'm going to absolutely deal with you in such a way that confidence will rise in you, and you're gonna say to yourself, I can get through this by the grace of God. You will be able to endure it. Come on. Come on. Next point. God enjoys working in the dirt. From Genesis to Revelation, he's a gardener. And if you're a gardener, you will get your hands dirty. We're getting close to that time of year where we get to our little gardens and our boxes and all whatever you got, and they look pretty bad. If you're like me, you don't always clean up like you should in the fall. So spring comes, and, man, it'll look bad all winter. But listen, in the spring, you have nothing but Dirt to work with. <laughs> and at some point, it's going to be lovely and fruitful. And, but right now, you have nothing but dirt. And all you can do to get to the next level is to put your hands in the dirt and prepare the soil for a seed. And the seed is going to be buried in the dirt. Lord, help us in this place. The seed is going to be, I mean, Adam was created out of. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't nothing but dirt. No, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> Jesus had to become like dirt, born. He had to put on what he made Adam of. Wow. And watch this. And Jesus was buried in the dirt. Oh, y'all aren't hearing me. Can I correct myself? He wasn't really buried. The devil thought he was. 
The devil thought I got him underground. The devil thought it was over. When Jesus hung on the cross and said, it is finished, the devil didn't understand the definition. Because when he said finished, he thought, uh, yeah, it's over. I'm putting him underground. I'm going to bury him. But he wasn't buried. He was planted. I have a word for somebody. What you're going through today, you're not being buried. You're being planted, honey. This is not the end. It's the beginning. Hallelujah. And what's dying in you right now is going to live again in a new form. Oh, somebody praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What feels like the end is really just the beginning. Darkness is about to break into daylight and he's about to remove the stone and you're stepping out of that dead place into a living place. Somebody help me. Come on, somebody give him a crazy praise. Hallelujah. What you're going through is not the end of the story. Next point, God isn't a mortician. He's a nurseryman. He's not about bearing things. He's about planting things. He's a nurseryman. So, second to the last point, embrace the process. Embrace the process. You're going to be okay. At the Last Supper, Jesus took bread. And he said, this is my body. Really, at that table, there were four bodies. There was the bread that he said was his body. There was the literal body of Christ. And then there were 12 men that were the body around the table and then there's already a body in heaven Can you, the Lord gave me this picture you ever get a Holy Ghost picture and what I saw in my spirit was a body in heaven about half formed this was early in my ministry and 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 what I saw is kind of like the um, what we know now as pixels just going up, and as they go up, they form, and the body was being formed from the top down. And those pixels going up were people who, had, who were dying and going to heaven and finding their place in the body. You know what Paul said? He said, he said, <clears throat> he said in Romans, and God, the God of peace, shall bruise Satan under your, y'all are trained well, bruise Satan under your feet. So if the body is being formed in heaven and we are the, some of you getting it already. I, I can't believe you're sitting still. If we are the body of Christ, and this is the last generation, this is the foot. 
This is the foot generation. We're the generation that gets to put the final stomp on the devil and go on up in the rapture. Ah, glory to God. Watch what he did with the bread, the body, your body. He took it. We don't mind. So take me, Lord, right? But after he took it, he blessed it. You're still shouting. Blessed. But then he broke it. But then he broke it. And after he broke it, after he broke it, he gave it away. You know, wild horses, you, you, never, you never hear anyone say, I need to tame that horse. You don't tame horses. Well, they're wild. Isn't wild the opposite? Yeah, 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 I guess, but not the way God does it. You don't tame horses. They have to be broken. Because if you tame them, then they've lost the fire. But if you just break them, they still have the fire, but now they're useful. God doesn't want you to lose your fire, your passion, you know, all that that you had when you were out there in the world. He wants you to still have all that, amen. But he wants you to start channeling that energy in the right direction. He doesn't want to tame you and make you mamby. Oh, I'm a Christian. I love everybody. Oh, you're just a snowflake. He's not trying to make snowflake Christians. He wants soldiers of the cross. He doesn't want to tame us, but he's got to break those things in our lives that keep us from being who God said we are. Amen. A horse was never meant to just be useless running in the field. They were meant to pull something. They were meant to carry something. They were, they were meant to transport oh, somebody. Go ahead and praise the Lord one more time. 